1: Welcome back to another episode of the Young and Olding Podcast. My name is Tyler, going to be your host today, joined by some of our college students and my friends, Lacey and Gavin. And you're in for a treat today because we have also one of my friends, but the guy you need to know, (laughs) uh, Pastor Jonathan Samuels. He is our student director here at Christ Fellowship. And today, uh, we're going to be walking through the book of John. And so if you've missed some of the previous episodes, we've been taking some topics and conversations that maybe we might not get to on some midweek ministry to jump into and to talk about. And today, We're going to talk around this subject, was Jesus a cannibal? Uh Uh-oh. Whoa. But before we get in there, uh, Jonathan, thanks for being with us today. When you think about the book of John, maybe what's something that God's taught you or favorite part uh, as you've read through the book of John?
2: Yo, I love that we're going through it. Um, I am a nerd, though, so I'll say (laughs) that my favorite part about John is just how he even talks about Jesus, and it's like all about power and it's all (laughs) nerdy you ask me like john chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god like all of that is like Oh, yeah, John's my guy. So that's what I like about John in
1: general. Come on. Well, it's a, it's a special book. I love that we've been talking about this uh, on Tuesdays as well. At the purpose of the book is written so that we would believe that Jesus <laughs> is the Son of God and in our believing have eternal life, which is just I love when they uh, when we get to approach these scriptures and be like, man, there's, there's some stuff that God has for us here. So uh, we're going to have a conversation along the way. And so, guys, feel free to jump in with, with questions uh, along the way. But let's get into John. Let's get it. Uh, what's happening here when we pick up... Um, in, in this subject around was Jesus a cannibal there's some pre-work that you might want to unpack but what's happening in our passage today?
2: Yeah, I mean our passage is John chapter 6 verse 53 where Jesus said to them very truly I say to you Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood You have no life in you whoever eats my flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life and I will raise them on the last day for my flesh is real food And my blood is real drink which is let's be honest a little weird. Let's call it <laughs> is. It's weird. Right? And uh, He continues to say, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so that the one who feeds on me uh, will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And um, I think what's super helpful... <laughs> for these moments because anytime you take a text just out of it a text that's in isolation easily becomes a pretext for something that we just yeah, want to believe yeah. and and so you always have to go back and look at the context which i'm sure all of us already know about but the the chapter six of John is just jam-packed yep. with all sorts of things like uh, Actually, I just finished uh, Iron Man 3 Come the on, other man. day It's been a long time since I watched it and I think about that movie mm-hmm. and how there are so many scenes all throughout that movie where it feels like they start here and then they go to Tennessee and then they end up in Miami and it's like What there's like all these things and that's kind of what's happening here and John chapter 6 It starts actually with him feeding the 5,000 yeah. mm-hmm. and as he's fed the 5,000 this incredible 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 miracle. Some would say like the largest miracle he's ever performed. He has this moment where they look at him and they misinterpret the miracle Mm -hmm. they say. It is clear to us you are the Messiah we've been waiting for essentially mm-hmm. and they're going to grab him to force him to be king Because their perspective of what the Messiah is is a military type individual And it says Jesus slips away and goes to go pray essentially mm-hmm. and as he's doing that He tells the disciples like head across the, the, the sea. I'll meet you there And so we go from the scene of him on the feeding and, and then the disciples on the water And Jesus is walking on water, which is like, it was crazy, right? And so he he has that happen. They arrive. The next day, those who were fed woke up and are like, where is this man at? And so they're like, he has to be across. That's where the boats are. And so they cross them and he meets them there and they're like, Jesus, where have you been? You actually see this in verse 26 of of, uh, John chapter six, where Jesus says, look, you're looking for me right Mm -hmm. now. Because you saw the miracle and the sign but it's it's not because of that that I performed it's because you're hungry and you want more loaves. and what he's essentially saying to them is you misinterpreted what I did there and you're here for more of your misinterpretation <laughs> which is strong mm-hmm. and what we'll see throughout this whole chapter is Jesus is consistently strong mm-hmm. with them telling them the truth and the hard truth. And so he continues and as he's going a little bit further. He makes these uh, analogies between the ancestors, between uh, if you think back of the exodus yeah. where the children of Israel are in the desert. And the only way that they're actually able to eat is this manna that falls from heaven. And Jesus is pointing to that manna and saying they ate that, yet they still died. Mm-hmm. But if you eat this, you'll live on forever. And it's in that moment that he's juxtaposing these two things, which is like there is a physical bread like the one i fed you but that's not actually enough and your idea of me as the messiah as being a physical military person that's not actually enough mm-hmm. there is a spiritual bread that i'm really here for that if you eat that that's what you get so i guess to answer your question mm-hmm. early on in the podcast immediately mm-hmm. it's really not about cannibalism what it really is is about people deciding and choosing to say i'm going to choose to believe in christ and he makes it clear verse 40 he says for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on that last day so he's saying the eating and the drinking is essentially the believing that he is the son of God the son of man
1: Yep, that's that's so great so great I think you see a couple different groups of people in this passage when (laughs) he says this because imagine like like we're sitting with Jesus And he makes that statement, you know, like, unless you eat my body (laughs) and drink my blood, he'd be like, excuse me, (laughs) can you rewind that, please? (laughs) You know, they're confused. And then later on in the passage, if you read, like, they start complaining, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, So what do you guys think as you're hearing this passage? uh, And if you've read it, what are some
0: questions maybe that you have about Mm -hmm. the text? I think um, my my question that I would have for you, Pastor, is um, it says, like, later on in that passage, like, that chapter in verse 66, that it says his disciples, like, abandon him they stopped following him because of this because they like mm. like you said they might have misinterpreted it do you think like when hearing that because like you said we can read it in context because we have the whole chapter we have the whole book but someone who like who's there in the moment do you think they like listen to that and be like yeah. I have to do what? <laughs> absolutely.
2: I, th- I think that's absolutely true. Uh, I think people are going to misinterpret it um, consistently. Actually, um, I think Justin Martyr, as he is uh, writing history and about uh, early Christians, he talks about the three main reasons why people are being martyred, why Christians are being martyred. And the three main reasons are they're atheists they're cannibalists and they experience like incest. And all of those were all misinterpretations of the text, right? Wow. Atheists being like, they don't believe in any gods. Really, they don't believe in any of the Roman gods, mm. but they do believe in one God, right? The incest is like, everyone's calling each other brother and sister. And like, this is a little weird and we don't quite understand it. But if mm. they understood the text, we're talking about being the body of Christ. And then you see this very same thing that we're bringing up today of the cannibalism. Well, they just misinterpreted that they're not actually eating the body of Christ. What they're doing is they're doing it in representation of and and uh, out of, of ordinance for Christ. And so I do think that happens frequently. I think maybe the lesson in this is Jesus is gonna say tough things and you can continue to try to force him into your box of how you believe he is or who he should be or you can open the lid and say, all right, I don't fully understand, but I'm willing to follow you and what that looks like. And I think the disciples that stayed were the ones who chose to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, sure
0: I think of like, as we were talking, you said like, I when I wrote this, when I read it, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, oh, wow. Like <laughs> something that he would say, I would be really confused. And mm-hmm. so I think Jesus knew that there were people that were going to be offended, that there were going to be people that turned away why Mm -hmm. do you think he didn't like further explain like hey please don't physically eat me (laughs) or drink my blood like why didn't he further go into that
2: Mm, yeah you know i think this is similar to the question of like why does jesus use parables Mm -hmm. because it feels like these things just confuse the situation (laughs) rather than make it clear and um parables are similar to like illustrations yeah. or to jokes or to where there there is a landing point. Now, parables are not jokes, but there's a there's a landing point. And if you understand the landing point, it helps you to understand the whole reason of what we're talking about mm-hmm. and parables. And these sayings are similar in which it helps you to gauge where you are spiritually and it helps Jesus too as well. Right. Either when he's telling you these moments, either you're saying, I this is too wild and i don't want any part of this um and in that case what you've done is you've used your your physical eyes in that moment you haven't pursued spiritually the truth behind the thing um but if you're willing to to tarry to, to like wait a little bit longer if you're willing to seek him i mean we see these moments where even disciples are like what are you talking about and he actually gives them the answer and you know Jesus comes out clearly, and he says, "Like I, I share in parables because seeing you do not see, mm-hmm. right?" And so it's this idea of like if you're willing to go beyond the front and to go deeper than what you previously thought, and go deeper than your preceptions of uh, presuppositions about who Jesus is to seek Him truly and fully, that's when you'll find He is greater than what you previously thought He was. And so I think He talks about that in order to really help us. To examine ourselves and to know where we are in the process.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a
1: strong passage. I think it's so uh, fascinating because we think I think we live in a culture where like none of us want to be offended. Nobody wants to be offended. No one. I'm right? sure. I mean, oh, Like <laughs> We're just I mean, like everyone's offended mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. constantly. And and yet when we approach scriptures, we like expect to not be offended, mm-hmm. and then we're we're confronted with the reality that the gospel and the person of Jesus. Confronts our <laughs> our our need and lack and our sin mm-hmm. and it's it's offensive. And so it's it's interesting as you mentioned, like the, the, the disciples they say this is a hard saying complaining about it, and then Jesus' response is does this offend you? Yes. You know, it's it's an interesting <laughs> response because he's like obviously seeing that people are disturbed. Mm-hmm. They're disturbed he, and he angry down. and Yeah, yeah and yep. he's like, Hold hold up, let, let's talk about this. I'm gonna name it. Like, <laughs> does this offend you? And um i think that we need the offense Mm -hmm. you know with the offense of christ because without the offense of christ there's no true freedom and healing let's talk about that for a little bit
2: yeah i think of several passages when it comes to what may be considered offensive right so i think about the the good samaritan and if you're reading this passage it's like the samaritan is meant to be if you said the word samaritan you would assume this is the evil character Within this story Mm -hmm. and yet the Samaritan is the one who Mm -hmm. does all the work in order to make sure that this person is healed And why this is is offensive is because to the audience he's talking to he's saying you've just misunderstood Like it's it's not just about your rituals. It's not about your titles. It's not about your it's about something deeper but even the good Samaritan is actually deeper than that because we aren't good Samaritans jesus actually mm-hmm. is the good samaritan mm-hmm. he's the one who paid the price he's the one who did all that he could he's the one who came back wow. so to make sure that that person is healed and so you see that but i also think jesus is um maybe offensive on both sides uh, i actually think about this because i was recently um writing a message on like the exclusivity exclusivity of Christ. Like um, what does it mean for Jesus to be inclusive in his gospel and exclusive at the same time? And he actually offends both parties, mm-hmm. right? To those who are super spiritual, he actually says, this is not about your rituals. Mm-hmm. Like you are whitewashed graves. Yep. You look clean on the outside, but you're full of dead bones on the inside. Right. Think about that. So he's talking about people who would previously be considered as like the, uh, you know, the people excluded from it. And he's saying, actually, their faith is the thing that makes them included into it. Yet he is talking to other individuals who um, who would think they could never be a part of or who think they only speak to uh, the gospel. It doesn't include them. And he says to them, no, no, you are included as well. And I think uh, an example of that is maybe. Uh, the woman caught in the issue of sin mm-hmm. where um, they bring this woman to her or to him to Jesus to try to get him caught into this debate. And what he does in that moment is he offends them by giving her grace. Mm-hmm. Yet he offends her by saying, go and sin no more. And the truth is when you come to Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. offense is a part of that because what mm-hmm. it takes is for us to fully follow him which means we must confront our flesh Mm -hmm. and be able to do that um the right way
0: yeah what do you guys think man i think i love that i love that last part you said we you said we need to confront our flesh Mm -hmm. to be like follow him the right way i love that because i think that's a huge thing that like holds a lot of people back is like their flesh Mm -hmm. um the flesh of the world and like just Falling into like worldly desires. So I think that's a huge thing. Um, my question for you pastor is like going about that How do you how do you navigate that properly? Mm-hmm. Like being able to push your flesh to the side to follow his word?
2: That's good. I think that's a great question And I think there are some missteps we can make along the way thinking that we are the people who make ourselves better mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I think any attempt to do it on your own will only end up in frustration for yourself. Right. The, the greatest part about Jesus is that he sets you free and then he gives you the power to walk into freedom. Right. He's like, he's not like, I set you free, go handle that yourself. He's actually like, I've empowered you with the Holy Spirit to help you along these processes. The real rub and real issue is when the Holy Spirit says to you, no more, it's what you do with that moment. It's the choice choice to consistently say I am offended. I want to continue to sin. I want to do this. This is something a hurt habit. Hang up, these types of things. And yet I still know that you are worth more than mm-hmm. those things to me. So I'll surrender those things to you. Right. And it's in that surrenderance that you receive that power and that strength and that grace that God gives you to continue to um, relinquish the flesh and to follow him. Wholeheartedly, which is difficult, which yeah. is the process of what we do here on earth. But that unity that with Christ that we get when we come to Him, that's the thing that gives us the strength to overcome that. Wow,
1: that's good. I was listening to a John Bevere message last night on, on holiness, and he said something really interesting in, in the in the message. He said we we pulled a survey of 5,000 Christians and asked mm-hmm. them what what do you think grace means? Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we got God's forgiveness, salvation, all of those things, and then he said. Um, only two percent of the five thousand answered empowerment. Mm-hmm. And he said, "What well, what happens is we have so many people Christians trying to do life on their own power, yeah. move past sin, you know, do the thing on their own, not recognizing that God's grace is empowerment to mm-hmm. do to do life, you know, mm-hmm. say by grace through faith. But grace is God's gift of empowerment so that we can, you know, set the flesh aside and pursue Him uh, even through the offense." And I was like, "I've been kind of rattled by that. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. do I do I perceive grace?" as empowerment mm-hmm. in my life that i need on a daily basis mm-hmm. um you know is jesus true bread true drink you know some of these things we we're Absolutely. talking about is he sufficient yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah. And paul says his grace is sufficient for yep. me like yep. that yep. that is a struggle in which he's dealing with but he understands god's grace is sufficient he gives him the strength gives him what he needs in yep. those moments i think that's truly powerful yeah
1: and that's the exact um, verse that he was he was mentioning mm-hmm. and so i think about this this text where you know people are coming to jesus and he's saying like unless you eat unless you drink you know and later you know when he's trying to uh wash Peter and says unless you let me wash all of you you can have no part of me mm-hmm. it's like Jesus continues to do these things that force people uh to, to reckon with what they think and how they mm-hmm. perceive the things of God and who Jesus is and so obviously we, we we read themes and words like eat my body drink my blood and it's <laughs> you know it it takes our minds to communion and kind of what that looks like and uh Let's talk about communion a little bit because you know, Jesus at this point hasn't died, yeah. uh, but this would no doubt be something that would be in their minds as they were watching how Jesus did communion. So what, you know, this, let's talk about the significance of communion and, um, mm. and just uh, even how this, uh, this thematic uh, thing in Scripture of flesh, blood... Mm-hmm. Uh, is important to us in 2024 in a day and age where we're like sounds like cannibalism. Like, <laughs> like an outsider comes in and they hear you saying about the blood, they're going to be confused, right? They're going to hear you, know. But it's like it's everything. Like the yeah. blood of Jesus is everything, and His body. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think even as you were talking about the idea of using these illustrations or using these uh, sometimes offensive, sometimes just maybe outlandish mm-hmm. um, things, is like you, you actually see this throughout the Old Testament. Where many times Jesus tells these prophets to do things that are representative of what His word is for that moment, right? And so I'm not just talking about visions. I'm talking about like, hey, lay on your side for a while (laughs) and let everyone see this. You you know, like those types of things. And I I think Jesus continues that same motif many times, and His declaring with the word of God. And I think communion is also representative of that. Actually, you see this in. and uh, Luke chapter I can't remember Luke twenty two, um, he has this moment where it's Passover, and Passover is an Old Testament moment in which um, the children of Israel are trying to leave, um, and then you know the Spirit comes and but if you had the blood over your door then the Spirit passed over you were saved you were by, by that blood right and so he's having this feast which is a multi Heart feast like it's like a five course meal that has significant pieces within it um that you do if you've never gotten to do a password but you need to go um search it and do it because it's incredible um but he's having this meal and the point where he gets to the bread and to the wine, which has incredible significance, this is the point in which he breaks it, and he says, um, "You know, eat this as a representation of my of my flesh." And he, he and he also has the wine, and he blesses it just like the bread, and says, "Drink this." And he's doing this. Uh, he tells us in remembrance of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so communion in and of itself is this act of um, remembering him in a true sense, remembering his sacrifice, remembering why he came down to earth, remembering our unity with him in that moment, remembering that we're a part of the body. Remember. So communion is not a, um, just a tradition that we have and it's not vacuous in that sense. There is something stronger and spiritually anchored within history Christians from history mm-hmm. past have been doing communion and we do this in communion with Christ and with them as well. And so it really does communion provides an opportunity, a, a consistent practice for us to be able to remember who He is and remember what he's done for us as Christians.. That's great. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so like you said, like take this as a representation of like mm. my body and my blood. and as um, Christians, like we remember what Christ did for us through communion and how does that differ? In how like um, in Catholicism they um, partake in <laughs> communion what is the difference there and like what we believe in what we practice versus how that is handled
2: yeah yeah so uh, uh, yes there are uh, several viewpoints of what communion is and um, forgive me if we get a little deeper on it because I think it's going to be helpful for us to better understand it. So there are beliefs that are like transubstantiation and consubstantiation and then spiritual Christ, which is kind of like the reformed view of it. And then remembrance that are all, um, views, uh, the, the primary views of how you, um, view communion and, um, Roman Catholics, uh, believe in transubstantiation, which is essentially this idea that, um, when you are eating, you are eating of the flesh and blood of Jesus, Um, but not in the sense of like, wow, this tastes like chicken. Not like, not in that sense. But um, the reason why it's called transubstantiation is because, um, like I said, we're gonna go deep for a second. Like theologians believe we would be considered um, substance dualists, right? So there is a substance, substantial part of you, and then there are accidental parts of you, right? So the substance of who I am, the soul, and i carry in that uh, another substance which is my flesh my body Mm -hmm. and that body has different qualities that could or couldn't be different my complexion um my ear size my those types of things right and so what they're saying is when you when they bless the communion the eucharist and they give it to you what they are actually doing is christ in his bodily nature and his substance of who he is Mm -hmm. is now fusing with that And you are actually eating the substance of Christ. Mm. So that's that's a little difference, right? That's a little little deeper than um, than I think what most Protestants would believe. Protestants believe in general. And so, why I think that may be a miss is because what they are speaking about is His bodily substance, Mm -hmm. not His immaterial substance, right? right? And so, we have to, when we're thinking about Christ, remember He is one person, but He has two natures. He has the human nature and the divine nature, right? And to confuse both would be to make a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We have to understand the divine nature doesn't get hungry, right? But the human nature does get hungry. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So there's two things that are, are part of this. And so what we see is when Jesus is resurrected. We see him resurrected in his divine body, or his divine nature, but his his new newly created body, which is what we get to look forward to as Christians. Right. This is why your body isn't just an accident. You should mm-hmm. never care for your body. Like, actually, you you know, you're going to have a body in heaven as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we see is that's different, yet it's still finite. And I, I want to speak to that again. and Just say, like, um, Jesus was uh, was never created, has always existed. His body is finite and that it did come into existence. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he has both in one. And so to speak about the body of Christ and to understand it as literally like flesh and blood, that there is a substance that is a part of um, the uh, a part of communion would be to misunderstand because his flesh and blood, his 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 human nature is actually finite, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. can't be within mm-hmm. the Eucharist. Does, does that make sense? Um, so I think that's why that's a little bit of a, a, a misstep theologically for that. And I think the best way to view it though is that this is this is more than just tradition. Mm-hmm. This is spiritual unity that happens in the room when we're doing it. I know that yeah. was a long no answer, yeah. but I hope that was helpful. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's good. Uh, my family and I, we, we've gone through seasons of taking communion at home, and it's something we've reinstituted of like, once a week at the table with mm-hmm. my kids, you know, something that we're doing and, um, you know, coming back to this passage, the, the end result, you know, is Jesus, people leave Jesus. And then he says like, are y'all going to leave too? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to someone who maybe is they're, they're offended mm-hmm. and they, they, they came to Jesus because they want their bellies full, you know, not, not because they, they believe that he's true bread. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of people that are searching, they're thirsty, Mm -hmm. they're hungry for the things of the world to satisfy them. Um, What would you tell that person who's in that space?
2: That's a great question. The first thing I would say is um, you can take a thousand steps away, but it's one step back. Mm -hmm. Jesus is always there. One step away, just to say, forgive me. I want to grow. I want to know more. I want to. And so the first thing I would say is just repent in that moment and come to him and um, allow him to uh, set the grounds for this relationship, you you know? Um, And so the first thing I would say is return back to him. And then from there, what I would begin to do is really seek him for who he is, not for who you want him or need him to be, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I I would would get into the word. I would seek him and truly him, I would begin to have biblical community in my life to help me through these things, to help me see how I could live this righteous way that Christ is asking me to live. And and it is in the offense sometimes that we find life, mm, yeah. right? It's like, uh, you know, the other day, I, uh, my, my daughter... And I were walking down the street, and um, she did not see the car that was coming, but I did. And I was getting groceries, and I turned around, and she's getting ready mm-hmm. to like cross the street, and I go, "Stop!" Yep. Right, and I did it in such a way that is not gentle parenting, right? <laughs> like I just straightforwardly, and she started crying, and she was like, "Why did you yell at me?" I don't, and I had to explain to her yeah. that was offensive to you. But that was the thing that actually brought life to you right Mm. that helped us in these moments and there are there are times in which the words of christ may be offensive to Mm. who we are Mm. maybe offensive to our beliefs maybe offensive to those types of things but they are true and they're life-giving and if you follow them you'll discover the true life that is by the way what jesus is meaning in this text Mm. if you turn to him And if you overcome these things that you are unclear about it, and if you seek him and truly him, what you'll find is you'll have the eternal life that only he gives yeah. wow. to those who come to him
1: yep man, we need a holy stop sometimes yeah <laughs> we really do we really do
0: um you guys have any other questions? I got one last thing to ask, but I want to open up the floor Oh I think like one last question I would have for you um pastor is that when we approach communion and like you said, it's different um, from us as Christians and Catholics, how do we approach it with the right heart?
2: Mm, Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had a leader in my life once tell me these, basically these three things. The first is like remembrance, Um, like remember who he is, remember what we've got gathered here for, right? Uh, uh, Truly at the center of Christianity, is Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, or the, Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ had not been mm-hmm. raised from the dead, mm-hmm. then we are all dead in our sins and mm-hmm. should be pitied. But he was raised from the dead. Awesome, Therefore, we have a strong wow. faith in him. Does it make sense? And so, remembering that he's the center of the, remembering his sacrifice, remembering those things, and then to come with repentant heart to mm. know if there's anything that would hinder this unity, it would um, would we would place between us and him that we're willing to say all of those things I relinquish at your feet in mm. this moment, and then the third is rejoice. Just mm-hmm. to, to celebrate. This is meant to be celebratory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In heaven, there is celebration because he has triumphed over sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is not this constant, ah, oh, remember. No, like this is like we're here and we are united with Christ mm-hmm. and we are here together because he has overcome the world. Like that's, and that's the heart of communion. So I, when you do those three well, when you manage those three well, what happens is you handle communion well as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, wow, that's
1: mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Come on. All right, different question. Mm. Very different, okay? Last thing before we wrap up the podcast. If you could interview anybody Ooh. Uh, today, who would you interview? <laughs> Maybe they're dead, but you could have... Oh, You could yeah. time travel. Time travel.
2: Oh, man.
1: enter the- into the multiverse from Marvel. I don't know. Yes, if
2: there's a multiverse from Marvel, it'd definitely be the Hulk. Uh, no, uh, I think... Oh, just... This is so going to be unspiritual. Um, I'd probably... I'd probably talk to, uh, can I say, a couple people? So, uh, one. It's your world, bro. When we, when we, Martin Luther King got yeah, to yeah, OG. Yeah. It was like, so i just sit with him and talk with him about what it was like and the boldness and Come those on. types of things. That's my spiritual answer. The next would probably be Tom Brady and just <laughs> be like, my guy, talk to me about life right now. Like, what happened? And, and I just want to know more about um, his career and some of the choices that he made there and, and what it's like to be. That career now and those types of things, and I would interview them, and then I'd be like, "Do you know Jesus?" Because I want you to know Jesus. I need you to be in heaven with me. Let's talk about John so, chapter
1: six. Let's go. <laughs>
2: Come on, sit down. Let's break some bread. Yeah, let's break some bread. <laughs>
1: those are great answers. Those are great answers. You'll be ready the next time, but yeah. that was that was great. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks. This is this is really great. Hope y'all who are watching enjoyed this, and we have more coming. So, Pastor Jonathan mentioned uh, what will our bodies look like. We're actually going to have a talk on that. Uh, so, stay tuned. If you enjoyed this, make sure to share it with somebody. Uh, make make sure you're subscribed. All of the things because we want to make sure that you're along for the journey. But we love you, and we will see you back next time on the Young and Allin Podcast.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.